With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, it's no wonder that Prince Charles decided to go to Leeds Library to have a look at some old books rather than come here. When all I've got is, a, you know, my laptop and a microphone. All the royalties in here, you don't need to worry about. Are people waiting outside for hours in Leeds in the cold? There's nothing to do in Leeds. And that, their, their library's not got a, a bingo hall and stuff next to it. So the people in Jewsby obviously massive. Arch, arch, Right, to talk about that. We're talking about rugby league and the World Cup, which is uh, it's coming towards the its end, which is a bit sad. Uh, Phil Kaplan. This is, this is a panel with Phil Kaplan, so Phil, over to you. So he said on the, the Kirkley's Council, don't know I'm here. Well, welcome to the home of Eddie Ware. There you go. Anyone else? Some local celebrities. He is on his way. He's texting. He's on his way. He's royal. He's royalty around here. Yes, I, I'd like to point out. I'm not from Jewsby. I'm from no. Batley, which is, which, 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 which could be the other end of the world, couldn't it? Why, why are we not in Batley Library? Because we've got the culture of Batley here. It's all Craig Lingard. I mean, any Batley fans in? Any Jewsby fans in? It's going to be a tough audience. There's only, only one Jewsby fan in as well. So that's. Which everyone support? What's, what's going on? Not going to be Leeds fans, are they? Yeah. No. Oh. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. How are you, Craig? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah. Just, uh, four days in Portugal golfing, so come back to this world. I thought it was gleaming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ian Lebo, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm going to Spain golfing in two weeks. <laughs> what are you going, John? I'm going to Australia for Christmas. Oh, I hope so. Any, any, no, 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 no golf. No, just for me. Do a golf podcast. How are you, John? I'm good just to say this is not Simone Blue. So Phil's wearing Simone Blue um, for Saturday, I think. But yeah, this is not. Well, if you were Simone, you wouldn't be speaking to us, would you? Because no, I'd be. Oh, no, are they? Are they? Are they speaking now? Or are they banned again? Well, I think. I think the power of Andrew Voss has <laughs> shamed them into uh, uh, speaking. Yeah, it helps promote the World Cup that you want to be big and best. No, but John Wilkins says Joseph Powell shouldn't be banned. Well, we are just talking, uh, me and Ian, because the tribunal will be on tonight. We're not sure what time or where, um, 
but it was a fairly blatant elbow to the throat of David Fafita. So seems like this will cut most things are okay though. It has seemed to have been that way, uh, apart from if you're the, uh, the the Brazilian captain was banned and they weren't happy, were they? But she'll be back tomorrow for Brazil versus Canada. Looking forward to it. In fact, every game that we've got left has got something on it. There's a story around it. And I think the a lot of the talking points in the early part of the tournament were blowout scorelines, which is never something you should be surprised at in any World Cup of any sport. But all the great stories were in the group stages and all the great games are in the knockout stages. So it, I think it's followed a, a, you know, a really logical pattern. And um, The fact that the, the women's group stages end over the next two days, the wheelchair one ends just after that, and then we're already into the men's knockout stage. I, I just think it's got a momentum of its own. Momentum. Where's Rod Studd when you need? Just, just think about this. The people in Warrington, they had the, the Sibby Town versus the Sippy Town, was it? Get it the right? Uh, as we used to just call them hackers, uh, when it was much easier in the olden days. Um, and in York, the entertainment there on, on Thursday for the good people of York is us. I mean, that's a bit disappointing from, isn't it? We could, I mean, we could do a, we could do a dance if we got a, a, what's, what's the Leeds cultural um, dance thing? I'm sorry, you said Leeds and cultural in the same time. I mean, obviously in Batley, it's, it's, it's the conga, you know, because we've seen uh, Black Lace do it on that video. But, you know. have, have you been watching much of the World Cup in Portugal? Yeah, we watched every game. Yeah, we managed to find uh, plenty of sports bars over there that are uh, quite accommodating putting, putting the games on, so we managed to get every game over over there, so it's, uh, it's passed a bit of time in the evening. <laughs> what have you enjoyed of the uh, the past week or so? I just think, that, as Phil says, I think it's, it's, it's building momentum now. Um, and I suppose for me, the shock for me is, is probably how uninspiring New Zealand have been. And for me, they, at the start of the tournament, they were my, my tips to win it, but unless they get a considerable amount better than, uh, than they have been in, in the last well, certainly the semi-final then we'll be going home so it's, that's been my my shock I've been pleasantly surprised at how clinical England have been as well and how professional England have been in their, in their performances and it's been good to see I suppose some players that have, have taken a bit of flack a bit of stick this season for their form um, and so playing under a coach that they want to play under it, it certainly helps I think it's great because uh, you know not going to not admit that before the tournament thing, George Williams, what's he doing in the squad? Eight points and have been rubbish. And it goes out there and he plays as if he was you know, George Williams of the past. Yeah, I think it's it, it's, it's trusted by Sean Wayne. I think he knows what's expected from from Sean Wayne, and he can go out there and deliver it. And you can tell that he's playing with a with a confidence on him, with a, maybe a coach that believes in what he can do and trusts him to, to be able to do what he can do. It doesn't seem to be as structured as maybe what it is at, at, at Warrington, uh, and it seems to have a lot. A lot freer reign to go out and, and do what George Williams wants to do. So I think that, that pressure's taken off, and you, you can tell you move know, the, you know, the shackles from it. Exactly, and play but really well. Is it, is it going too well for England? It's, it's all it's all a bit too too good at the minute. Well, it's I suppose it's it's the con converse argument with, with New Zealand, isn't it? You know, it's uh, you, you expect New Zealand to get better, so do you expect England to get a little bit worse? I'd certainly expect England to get to the final where they have performed so far, um, and I think. If that would have happened at the start of the tournament, we'd probably consider it as a, as a success. Um, but as, as they've been going so well as they have done, done now, I think it's gone from how are England going to do to can England win this? And I think they certainly can the way they've played so far. Obviously, we know New Zealand are flying out after the game on, on Friday because that's that's the big news story today. And, and if the Tonga fans are still here, can we ship them down to the Emirates? <laughs> Reverse the flag; it'll be all right. They can support. Father Christmas must be around. Getting down there, Ian. What's what's your highlight been so far? 
Um, you, you mentioned it there, the Tongan Panther thing. Um, they've certainly did a, a touch of colour. I would love to have seen them beat Samoa, just for the fact that we'd have all those fans down in London. They certainly had a touch of colour, don't want a bit of excitement. I, I was in Auckland in 2017 when there were about 30,000 of them. I don't know where they all came from. But they, they seem to follow them all around the world, don't they? So that's been the highlight for me. And, and seeing all the different... All the Lebanese fans came out. There must have been a couple of hundred Lebanese fans watching, watching their country. And it, even, that's, it's got a few Greeks. So, you know, it's been, it's, been, it's been a true World Cup in that sense, hasn't it? Getting all the, uh, all the, the minnows following them. John, your, your highlight? Obviously, yeah. obviously, Australia just battering everyone apart from in wheelchair. <laughs> I think the, um, Greece has probably been my highlight. I think the Greek, the Greek story of just, just getting to the World Cup, qualifying when the sports banned in their country, all their sacrifices, um, and how they performed. Obviously, the three big losses, but I think they, you know, they competed in every game, and and what that means to them, you can really see. Um, you know, they had more domestic players than any other country. Um, you know, even though obviously a heavy heritage base, but the way that they put all that together, I think, was really impressive. But there's been a, there's been a lot of highlights. Um, I think the the Tonga Papua New Guinea game. Uh, in the group stages was fantastic. There's been a lot of great games. The, the quarterfinals um, on Sunday and Saturday night, the best two games so far. Um, and I think, as Phil said, it's, it really is building. There's two massive semifinals. Obviously, a lot of women's and wheelchair games to come as well, but I think we're set for a massive weekend and a massive final at Old Trafford. I, th I think we've been very lucky, those of us who've been following it, because, again, the first part of the tournament is stories stories that you never normally get. So spending time watching you know, the Brazilian women and their enthusiasm, which, you know, we're journalists because we've done this for years and it all, you know, the fixtures are out, we're playing everybody 18 times again. We, it's, a, it's a cycle. And when people break it, it's really refreshing. So, you know, you were saying the, the Jamaican guys have been fantastic. Just to interview them and talk to them about what it means. Now you're getting to the end where we're talking about performance. But I just think the, the, the great thing for, for those who've followed rugby league for a long time is these different cultures that are coming and playing. What have we got in common with Papua New Guineans that are on the terraces at the Totally Wicked Stadium, all uh, made up in headdresses and body paint? We all love rugby league. And, and I think that, that has been great. And whilst people might want to talk about attendances and, uh, and margins, it's not actually about that. We want to see people at Mount Pleasanton. Technic Stadium, is it called these days? Rams, we'll just call it Ram Stadium. Dressed up like the Papua New Guineans. That's what we want. Full, almost naked people in paint. No. <laughs> no. 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 Sounds like a Sunday night from my youth. Doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't forget the Fijians as well. Mm. You talk about the highlights. I mean, the Fijian hymns yeah. will, will live with me for a long time. I don't know about anybody else, but every time they play for, for two days after, I'm, I'm humming <laughs> hallelujah in my head. I can't get it out of my head. It's fantastic. We, we found the same with the Irish national anthem as well. Yeah. You're wandering around going shoulder to shoulder. What am I doing that for? Because yeah. I just heard the Irish anthem. Yeah. It's brilliant. You're trying to qualify for Ireland for the next World Cup. We're all eligible for somebody. <laughs> so it's only three years away. And that's the other joy. That all of the. I'm not fortunate again last night to be with the um, American wheelchair team. You know, only the second game that they've ever played, 
they're talking in a way that their enthusiasm is infectious and that's what we had when we first came into the sport. You know, they want to go home and they want to create a domestic league and the exciting thing for them, as it is with Brazil and their women, is they know they're back in three years' time. They can make a difference quite quickly. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been brilliant. And qualifying will start soon, won't it? Um, but for the but women and, and the wheelchair, they're, they're in. They know they're in. Yeah. That, uh, but for the, for the men, it starts. Yeah. Any low points? Got to get some negative. Got to get rid of because you're you're negative journalist. No, um, no. I think like any tournament, there's always ups and ups and downs. I mean, I think the the debate about ticket prices has been interesting, <laughs> and I can understand in part, but I think there are a lot of factors involved with that. I mean, I think there's been a culture of discounted tickets in this country for years. Um, I'm still waiting for the tickets for a pound if I'm yeah. an NHS <laughs> worker for Friday. You know, even though I'm not, I'm just going to get them anyway. Well, Somebody told me it might have been Phil actually, um, or someone else that the I think there was twenty thousand NHS tickets available or available, to, and only a few thousand have been actually taken up, and they're and they're free. Um, so I think the attendances, some of the attendances have been disappointing. Other ones I think they've been expect, uh, as expected, but I think also they're built. And if you look at the England games, the England games have been particularly well attended, and I think um, hopefully we get massive attendances this weekend and and for Old Trafford. Um, but there's been a lot of high points. I mean, you, you never get everything right. But I think the, the players have conducted themselves really well. Um, and the coaches have pretty much, um, you know, particularly, you know, like for Michael Checker on, on Friday night, he was fantastic. You know, he, I think he left the, um, he had a flight at 4am to get down to London to coach Argentina to beat England in Rugby Union on Sunday. But he was talking for over 20 minutes about you know, the experience and what it meant to him and about the success of the World Cup and why we have to persist with this format. So um, there's been a lot of high points. That's, that's quite convincing to sit there and talk to people for a while. There's not, not every coach does that. Yeah, and Mal Meninga was the same. You know, I think um, there was a great... Phil, Phil was there, there was a great... And, and Ian was there. It's a great point where the one of the Australian print journals tried to get Mal Meninga to say he was offended because New Zealand were the number-ranked team and he flatly refused to give him his back-page headline. But... <laughs> Um, that'll be a great game. You know, New Zealand, I, I agree with Greg, I think New Zealand have been, they were my tip, tip before the tournament to win it, and they've been disappointing when you look at that team on paper. Um, they, they should be the best in the world, but they, they have been disappointing. Fiji were quite unlucky um, not to win that game, but I think in, a, in an 80 minutes, you know, any of those players could, could star in Ellen Road and beat the Kangaroos. So, um, yeah, lots to look forward to still. Bad news for fans of Phil, I've cut him off on the screen because uh, Francis coming to see I love it. Make still on. Francis, how are you? I'm very good. Very good now, Mia. <laughs> Enjoying the World Cup more than the traffic. If you can't get to run your car through everybody else's traffic as the virtual mayor of Dewsbury, I don't know who can. <laughs> Dewsbury's not the problem. It was Doncaster and the A1, and the A1 is, uh, is a, a thing of itself, isn't it? So, yeah, it's uh, a bit of a trek. Oh, Carl Hall's not watching. So, uh, did he give those chains back? <laughs> saw Clive Baldwin with them on the other day on the telly. Kate Middleton, Princess of Wales. You have a so, so, uh, I'm enjoying the world. Company. You're enjoying the world. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Like, uh, loving the wheelchair. I just think it's outstanding. The BBC too. I just think it's the best thing I've seen in a long time. Just the skills and. Uh, and it's rugby league as well, isn't it? It's not murder ball. It's not, you know, the, the stuff we saw in the Paralympics. 
we would be using and try to claim it's just incredible. It's not even rugby, but that is brilliant. I just I think with the girls, I think it's a master stroke. No, not often do we talk our game up and think we've got things right. And you might think you know, people point to attendances and prices and things like that. But having the men's, the women's, the wheelchair uh, and the, the PDRL in together, I think it's been a master stroke. I think it, it, it shows what we are as game It's embracing. Uh, and we're punching miles above our weight. Yeah, I just had to highlight, I think the BBC coverage has been fantastic and have all those games live on TV. You can't, as price as that kind of mainstream coverage that the rugby league doesn't get in England. Moving uh, University Challenge. Yeah, and the gardening. I don't know. Oh, Monty Dolly was really upset. I don't know. He's got 150,000. There were some letters and points of view. Yeah. But yeah, I just think the timing <laughs> of it and everything, I just think, uh, and I was, I was just like, well, and I'm not on social media, but I can see bits and bats. Uh, when I won, and uh, I was exactly like what people there, just just blown away by it. I mean, generally, the, 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 the game of rugby league is we, we take for granted more often than not, don't we? And you forget that, but I've been blown away with everything. I think the uh, the things around it, the you know, the uh, especially the weekend, the Samoa, and all that. I love the Fiji singing. I just think we it's just so rich in. In, in just you know where it's from and what they bring to it, and I just I think I'm enjoying that that as much as what's happening on, on the field. You must be pleased that when you played international rugby league for Great Britain and England, and not Ireland because they wouldn't have done this, but in the olden days when you, we've seen the black and white footage of Great Britain teams on tour doing some kind of weird hacker thing, you must be glad you didn't have to do that. We don't look foolish. Well, well, yeah. If it's not in our culture, it's certainly not in mine, and it's a bit. <laughs> almost like close to dancing and if it was about dancing I certainly wouldn't be happy with Akka. Lee Raptor's dancing with, with Samoa. Uh, he rode himself into it. Well, then would fair play to him. <laughs> <laughs> Honorary Samoan Lee Radford. I've, I've heard the tales. Um, did you make any roles in your illustrious playing career? Since everyone was excited by seeing I've them. got a story actually and it's good. You know, William Poaching's watching. We were laughing about this uh, not that long ago. When it was what was it? Was it Silver Jubilee? There was a big thing at Temple News at the time. There was Leeds captain. There were about five or six players who went up, and there was all kinds of. I think <coughs> uh, Mel B, Belinda Carlisle. All the, there was a few. Remember that? Anyway, the Queen was coming, so I'm in a, a great position here. And there's all these Aussies, so there's all and Kiwi. So there's Willie. Uh, it was a Matt Adamson, uh, Tony Carroll, people like that. So they're all. You know, we joke about. You know, your queen and all that stuff. It's not like your queen, John. Yeah, all this. Your king now. Anyway, within, she's now here. I can see her. And they went, I'm, I'm in real good position. Within a few seconds, they're all in front of me. So my joke was, <laughs> within a minute, they're all crying and bowing and all this. And I'm at the back of the group trying to get in. So, yeah, I, 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 of course I met her. I didn't speak to her. I waved to her. I ended up speaking to Philippe after as he came past. And everyone else was watching the queen. Don't worry, realise you just stood there. So, yeah, that's the closest we've got to any of I don't think the, the world has been so excited. You're fancy playing the wheelchair game. We'll get you down I look at it and think, hey, that passing bit, but the collisions. I have to have an helmet, I have to have everything on there. I just, I'd love to have a go at it, I really would, but there's not many parts of my body actually work properly. Now. So, in my mind, I know where I want to be. 
I'm not sure my legs are going that direction, so moving wheels to get me there, I'm not sure. But I, I think it's another option of you can continue playing the game, can't you? Where a version of the game when uh, most of your, your body parts don't work anymore. I've actually played it once. When I said played it, I, I went down a tent and sat in a chair and just basically rolled around this you know, sports saw because I couldn't. A bit like patting your head rub rubbing your stomach, you've got to do different things at the same time and it's the coordination side of it is really difficult and then there's a there's a ball there and you're trying to move and you're looking around where everybody else is and I said I just ended up rolling around this sport so I'll try to control can't control the wheelchair. Yeah, yeah didn't your boy JJB saying on the telly he was going around in circles, get the ball in one hand and steering with the other. <laughs> and it couldn't work out why I was going around in circles. But at least an intelligent man's got an MBE now, is it MBE? Got... I, th I think the important thing about wheelchair though and women's to a lesser extent is that it doesn't have to follow the template of the men's game so we spent about 128 years trying to evolve the running game and with very limited success um, there's always something to hold that back but there's a freshness about the, the wheelchair and the women's game whereby you know if you're sitting watching this in Aberdeen and you want to form a team and you you know you might want to link it to um, you know, community sports hall or whatever. There's a way of starting rugby league that almost gives us a, a template to then do men's on the back of it. Um, and I think if you were to say to a television station at the moment who isn't maybe covering rugby league or has just come across the wheelchair in the last two or three weeks, if we could give you something as quality as this every week, so there was a, a wheelchair super league and it was a national competition, would you give us some money to film it? I think they would. Um, so I don't know what the powers would be. We'll be sitting down after the World Cup and deciding what its, what its legacy is. But one of the things should be to divert some funds into wheelchair to sell the rest of the sport. I think it's almost overtaken the traditional way we try and expand it. If, if you're in Plymouth, for example, and you're Plymouth Argyle Football Club and you want to have a wheelchair rugby league team playing in a wheelchair Super League, there's no reason why you shouldn't put the colours of that football team on take the name for the southwest of England, you know, play Wigan Warriors or Leeds Rhinos or Catalan Dragons or whatever it might be. Sell the sport that way because when people get into the wheelchair and it's exactly what, what Franny was saying, it's rugby league. Mm. That you watch it for a certain amount of time and marvel at the collisions, but then you're watching going, well it's the third tackle, who's moving for the fourth and how they're going to get this to the other side and why is they just loop round and, and all of that actually it gets you into saying, well I watch them at the running rugby as well. Um, I, I think it's been the, the biggest success of all. Uh, it links a little bit, Phil. I did a, a bursa report about 2011. It got thrown in some kind of, well, they pull in the bin. We mention it on here every so uh, often. Well, and uh, and basically talked about um, the versions of the game and looking at touch. Touch is would be a massive thing because a lot of the, the top athletes get picked up by football. Football's taking over everything. It's just getting bigger and bigger. But they can play touch, anyone, mix, you know, whatever. Everyone can play touch and look at a version on TV and say, oh, I play that. Well, you might not play exactly what that is, but it's rugby league, it's six tackles, it's advancing the ball, it's passing, there's not the collision, but it, it's a way in, and that's that's the way it's... it's. And there's other ways. We've opened a door, I think, with the, the wheelchair. It needs to be... And, and we need to step through it properly to get all the variations of the game. I remember starting a touch competition around here actually and it ended up becoming massive but some people wouldn't ref it because oh, I don't ref that and it's like why it's rugby league it's <laughs> oh no no it's different yeah it's different 
but it's rugby league. It's just a different version that allows older people, as it as were the, were then, it were over 35, to carry on playing a version of the game um, that allows you to go to work the day after. I've, I've spoken before on the podcast, and I think it's such a missed opportunity when you. You know, when I when I moved to England, when I first lived in London, there was a lot of antipodean competitions, but in the north, it hardly exists. And you look at Australia, New Zealand, everyone plays men, women in their fifties, sixties. You know, and it's all undone. You basically yeah, have foot Yeah. Well, now now there's the NRL. They, they, they televise games, and you've got your Ryan Pappenhausens, who's played touch for Australia and then gone on to play the NRL. Benji Marshall was another. I mean, it's just a school-based game without the the physicality, so you don't have to be. And I, and no, and I think more so introduce it to, to children and mm. getting it in early because, you know, it's bizarre. You run as hard as you can into all them people over there. That's what you're telling your children. It doesn't make any sense. Now there's a level to get to that, but there's a, there's a, there's a few steps and we just need lots more people doing it. That's the thing, because we've seen it's a, what a great game and all these different variations. It's still the same game, it just happens to be some people are sat in wheelchairs, smashing it, they all out of each other, others aren't, others can play touch. And I, I mean, I think that's the thing for a club like Batley, which, you know, you've spoken about and written about before, but how do you extend your support base? That what you're doing in the men's running game, you're probably almost at your limit of achievement yeah. because you are the best part-time team in the sport. But if you had a wheelchair team carrying those colours and a, and a women's team and a PDRL team and an LDRL team, that's how you, you know, initially build yeah, the club. Yeah, that's, that's got to be the next step. Not only for clubs like us, but for, I think, the rugby league in general. And just to add a, another version on top of that, so you could have your, your junior section, you've got your full contact first team, and then you could have your torch, you know, your wheelchair and your, and, and your women's and then your PDRL. But you can also have the walking, walking rugby as well. For the older end, and uh, which we which we do about as well, we do we do that. So you, there's a there's an avenue open there to get him get whatever age you are, whatever level of ability you are, whatever physical fitness you are. There's a, an avenue there to be involved in some sort of sport at your club. So you don't have to be between the age of 20, 35, and be the strongest, fittest, fast, uh, fastest. You can be 55 year old and still be representing your club or taking part in the sport at your club. And I think as a as a group. And as a sport, I think we need to do that, and I think that'll that'll be what will form part of the the IMG proposals. That unless you have got this, 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 and this, then you're not going to be considered for uh, tier A, tier B, or tier C. And I think it's, you've got you've got to be harsh at times. And I think certainly clubs like us, with very very limited resources, that's what we need to do. We need to look outside the box, and yeah, it's going to be difficult. But how we how do we generate any, any more money? But I think the limited resources is interesting because. It should be done through the foundation um, because I think there are companies out there that are looking at things like wheelchair that would never normally get involved with rugby league. You know, if, if I'm, let's say, a legal firm or a financial firm and I don't particularly fully understand the cultural nuances of the men's running game, but I want my name on that wheel, England wheelchair team that may well win the World Cup, I'd be ringing up the, the RFL now saying, my £100,000 is here, what do I get for it? And, and I think that, you know, even clubs like Batley will have businesses that wouldn't normally come to, to rugby league that will say, I want to finance your foundation and, and I want to see my, my company associated with the good that you're doing in the community. So I think it does open new financial avenues. It's not a question of taking the existing amount of money and spreading the jam even thinner. It gives you an avenue to get new money into the club.
Brian asked a question earlier uh, in reference to Steve Mascord's article today about the. We've now got controversy in wheelchair rugby, which is brilliant. It's, it's, brilliant. it's only taken a week. Steve Steve's fault. Is it Steve's no, fault? Uh, I mean, I, 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 read, the interviews, don't look I read him down the path. All <laughs> oh, right. I thought it was, so was going to be about Scotland time wasting, which I thought was brilliant. A, a great way of limiting the score against the French. But without having Steve's article in front of me, one of the French players is disabled and can't rip the tags off a player. So in the first game against Wales, the referees made a decision to adapt the rules slightly. I think in the previous World Cup, he was allowed to make a touch as opposed to a full tag because he is disabled. But then they've decided not to allow that rule in the next game. And, it's you know. convention rather than rule. Yes. So I mean, it's a new sport. Historically, so. and bearing in mind the French drew up the rules in the first place, they're now complaining about the rules that were drawn up. They're, they're trying to get an advantage for the final, which is great because now we've got controversy in the wheelchair game. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, because it, if England do play France, there are, there are some fantastic narratives that can be written. Not least Seb Bashara, who plays his club rugby in <coughs> France, but wants to get under the skin of all of those players he plays with because he's an England international. So they're, they've got a player called Jonathan Hivenat, who is one of the fastest. He's the Nathan Collins of French rugby league. But he has a disability in his hands whereby he can't rip off a tag. Conventionally, including in the last World Cup, which England were robbed of, um, <laughs> he has been allowed to touch the tag but not pull it off. And they're now saying because that isn't written in the rules, even though it was a convention in the first game because the referee of that first game allowed it because it had happened in, in precedent in the past, because it's now not in the rules, if he plays, he can't defend in the traditional manner. And the French have complained, um, saying that he couldn't play in the final against England because you, could, you couldn't play with only four defenders, to which the answer is good. Let's create some rivalry. <laughs> It's an interesting question, though, because it anyone can play it, yeah. but there are obviously a lot no, of players with disabilities, so is I, it a sport for people who are disabled? Yes, but it needs it? writing in the rules, yeah, and as yeah. something evolves, like PDRL, which had to go through a whole classification system, the, the quicker it evolves, the more you've got to make... I mean, it, the French quite rightly came up with two very good examples of where the adaptation of the wheelchair rules has been made on the base of the running game and not what fixed the wheelchair game. The, the, the HIA test, the first one you've got to do is to walk along a white line, which of course if you're in a wheelchair is relatively difficult. Um, the other thing is um, captain's runs. They made a really good point that disabled people tend to need longer to warm up because they're in a chair. To get their bodies to the point where they're playing at maximum speed is longer than the 45 minutes that you need for each captain's run. And the captain's run is also 45 minutes because of potential weather implications. And they're saying it doesn't normally happen in a sports hub. <laughs> so you do have to make sure that the rules as, as written relate to the game as played. And there is that slight imbalance to which the French have a point. But they're using this particular one of pulling off a tag as an indication as to how the game is, uh, is already stacked up against them. Great. The, the defending champions who just won 156. Great. No. Brilliant. Controversy. We, we love it. Well, it's great because, you know, there have been controversies in the women's game that have been shied away from. Just don't talk about it for whatever reason. Um, Craig mentioned IMG, uh, Ian. You, you've seen plenty of reports and plans for the future. How confident are you that we can grow the game going forward? Whatever IMG come up with or whatever, who else comes up with this as a, a platform, how confident are you that we can do that? Well, something's got to change, hasn't it? 
and I've thought for a long time it needs somebody from the outside coming in with a fresh pair of eyes, <coughs> not tainted by what's gone on in the past and, and influenced by, by their own club um, interests. They, they, they need just to take a fresh look at the whole game. And people are, IMG have got such a good reputation that I think it's a win-win situation. That, um, <coughs> so far, we don't really know what, what the plans are, do we? We've, we've seen a rough sketch and a lot of it is have been picked from ideas of the past. So I'm a bit disappointed so far that them coming out with anything particularly revolutionary. I'm, I'm hoping that we might see a little bit more of that when we get to the finer detail. But um, so far, so good. Um, it, it, we, we need a shake-up, don't we? Rubber League have, have gone as far as they can. They've basically put their hands up and said, we can't take this any further, we need some help, which is great. If they can see that, and, um, now it's up to the clubs to give IMG the, the backing that they need. John, do you think it will happen? Um, no self-interest. <laughs> well, I, I hope it does. I, I agree with Ian. Something needed to change. I think I think there needs to be fresh leadership and, and new eyes. Um, but I, I think some of it is partly down to people actually involved in the game and attitudes and mindsets. I'm not sure how you change those. Because um, there are people who are who, who think they're doing the right thing, and you know, but won't want to change and will refuse to change. And I think we've seen that over the different. I was crossing the street when I met the love of my life. I chased after her. Nothing would stand in my way. Not the dog walker, nor the hot dog vendor. Finally reaching her, I asked, "What do you call that amazing smell?" Um, it's gain flings. Gain flings. My love had a name, but more importantly. It had a scent. Fall in love with Gain Flings. Seriously good scent. Try Gain Flings today with special savings at Family Dollar. Um, examples of the last few decades. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you you do definitely hope for change. And I think I think this World Cup has been a, a push in the right step as well. And, you know, I think if, if England could win the World Cup, that would be a massive step for the game. It wouldn't solve all the problems. I think people think that every Super League game will be sold out next year if England won keen themselves, but it would be a, a massive, you know, boost across all levels. Um, but then the flip side of that is, if they don't, it, it, does, it shouldn't be the be all and end all. There has to be changes, and not just in Super League, but you know, schools getting more involved, amateur clubs. There needs to be a shake up across the whole board. It's been great to see the various countries involved in this competition engaging with the local communities they're in. I think the Gillaroos have been out in schools all the time, and they're obviously the, the best team in the world at what they do. Um, get, get more people, get more eyes on the spot. Certainly the viewing figures have been fairly positive. I think, I think the community engagement, I know I went, I went to a Greek <coughs> training uh, out at uh, Sheffield Hallam, and they'd been out um, into some schools and in the area, and I think every, every nation's done the same, every team's done the same. There's been a lot of community involvement, and that's, that's been great. Um, you know, I mean, I think... With, with um, Greece and Sheffield, obviously you saw the crowd at Bramall Lane. I mean, they were there to see England, but also the Greeks really got involved in the in the city, and um, that's that's fantastic. I think the big step now is December and having a calendar, obviously. So we need to know. I, know, I want to talk always about calendars, but I I did an interview with Troy Grant two weeks ago, and December is supposed to be when there's a lot of reasons why the calendar's been delayed. Um, you can't just sort of oh we want a game here. You have to actually make them pay. You have to make them work, but a calendar for the next 10 years or even for the next to the next World Cup just to sort of 
sell the next round of fixtures on the back of the current ones would be would be huge. I've had a long question from Michael. He says, would rugby league in the Northern Hemisphere be better served by hosting uh, between World Cups Australian or New Zealand alternative with another, with another guest Southern Hemisphere team on a rotational basis with fixtures against the home nations and friends? The non-touring Southern Hemisphere teams can play against each other in the Southern Hemisphere. This is always the huge two-year gap of top-level international rugby league in the Northern Hemisphere that happened after the Rugby League World Cup 2013, whilst maintaining top-level international rugby league in the Southern Hemisphere post-season. The Northern Hemisphere teams aren't of sufficient enough quality to draw crowds in, uh, in Australia and New Zealand, bar in England, but England needs to have top-quality international rugby league to build a non-Heartland fan base to retain new sponsors who get on board at World Cups, then fall away due to lack of content in the years af thereafter. Oh, Michael said, you know, you know what, on, on the back of that, and, and mentioning crowds and such, shouldn't we be disappointed that in whole, they've had two games and not great attendances in what we're told is a great rugby league city. Yet Middlesbrough turned out in decent numbers for two teams who really they should have known nothing about in Tonga and Cook Islands. I think the sort of more related to, to Michael's point, um, the one thing we do know is that there is guaranteed profit out of this World Cup, that it's a cost neutral tournament, and they need to cover all of those. But the fee that is being paid to the IRL is already fixed. <coughs> so they know that whatever the amount of money out of out of the coffers, it, it's guaranteed it might be five million quid, it could be ten. We don't know what we're talking about because it's rugby league, we don't actually know the amount, but we know it's there. If it was me and I was in Troy Grant's shoes giving you the interview saying it's difficult to put a calendar together, we need to get all the, uh, you know, the ducks in the right row, I would be announcing now what you're doing with that money. So as each nation went home, you'd be saying there is a proportion of this profit that's been made into the development in that, that nation. So Jamaica, for example, want a pitch. Now, if, if, they, if they get nothing else out of this World Cup, they need some land back on the island, which they can brand up with Jamaican rugby league. Well, if that costs, let's say, 200,000 pounds, I don't know what the price of land is in Jamaica. I imagine it'd be a lot. Just, <laughs> but, but you know, your participation, what you brought to the sport, the fact that you now um, you know, deserve a legacy project on the back of it, £200,000 from the World Cup profit is going to Jamaica to be spent on a facility whereby you can guarantee more kids will be playing on that ground seven days a week, purely rugby league. You'd have to get off at six o'clock because hockey are using it. Um, you know, if, if it's the Greeks and, and they're trying to promote their domestic competition and they need to, uh, go, to go to the government and get a, a match-funded bid to create their domestic competition, well, you've got £100,000 out of the World Cup you can now go to the government, make that £200,000, and if that pays travel expenses because roads have got to fly to Athens or whatever it might be, or you want to create a junior competition in, in schools, that money's earmarked. It has to be for something. We're not just giving it to you to buy Uzo in the bars. Um, and you could do that with virtually every nation. And again, going back to the American wheelchair team, that 11 of the 12 are from America. They've been joined by one guy who plays for Wigan who's of American heritage. Those 11 people all live in different places. They are being tasked to go back and set up a team where they live, to, to go to uh, disabled people that they know, to the service uh, people that they know, because a lot of them have come through the veterans of the army. Now again, if you were to say to them, you're going with £100,000 to from the profit of the World Cup that you've helped generate, to set up that competition. That, you know, and, and if it means that you know, it, 
Ireland, for example, um, which certainly you know a lot about developing rugby league in Ireland. If that Ireland team could be kept together and play an England team in a mid-season international, that is a saleable commodity. I think you'd get, if you played that in Dublin, you would get a stadium of maybe 15,000, 20,000, half or possibly totally full, because that England Ireland brand means something. And you know if you've got, you know, the Richie Marge, you can get Luke Keary over if he isn't selected for origin in that window. And you could play a full-strength England team that may or may not have made a World Cup final, possibly even won it. And you can get a television deal for that because it's not part of a current existing arrangement. And it costs £50,000 to stage that game or cover the cost of that game. Part of the World Cup profit should be used for that. So I, I just think we need to be clever. We, we now will have some money, which we've never had before. How are we going to spend it? I think, I think that's the key issue. The international game has to wash its own hands. Because mm-hmm. in the past, it hasn't. The club game is what produces what what brings in the TV, what pays the players. Clubs have been reluctant, or some clubs, been reluctant to release players because they don't know, is my play, is Luke Geary going to be insured? If he does his ACL and misses the Roosters, other Roosters going to be compensated. So that, not to be an IRL apologist, but that's one of the considerations that the discussions has been, that they know, okay, Luke Geary has a calf issue. He's been checked, he's got the best medical care, the Roosters are happy. That sort of situation, which hasn't really happened in the past, and we've had fixtures for the sake of fixtures, so we need to know what is going to make money, you know, having Greece play Lebanon in Bay would be, would be great, but who pays for most of the Lebanese play, team to fly out, who puts them up, you know, you can't expect them to play, for, you know, players shouldn't, shouldn't pay for nothing, you know, we're, we're past that stage and Franny knows more about what players have to go through to get themselves fit and on the field, but yeah, I think I think that's a big big part of it, but you, we do have games that sell, I mean, you look at Tonga Samoa, you know, you look at England, PG, England, Samoa, um, you know, a lot of those games, people will pay to watch them because they're fantastic spectacles. So we do need to organise where, have them in the right venues. Um, and as you said about Middlesbrough, I think it was 12,000 in uh, in Coventry for Australia-Scotland. I mean, that was a better turn-up than Huddersfield and Hull, which are rugby league places. So maybe we should be going away from the Heartlands more because they're saturated markets. Well, so we have a international series next year against whoever. Or are we just going to go back to <coughs> Ellen Road, the KC, or whatever, MKM Stadium, is it called now? And, and, and wherever. Or do we try, do we do we be brave and, do we just try and appeal to the same, I mean, this is, wouldn't be the criticism of this World Cup, it's we try, we're trying to sell all these games to the same people, we've got four games in Warrington, three games in Doncaster. If we say, we're going to play the first test in Newcastle, second test in Coventry, third test in London, now, it's going to be a lot of travelling for rugby league people who want to see everything, but you don't, maybe you don't have to see everything. It's going to be on telly as well. Well, I think you need to look at a few things. You know, obviously, it's got to earn some money, and it's got, you know, it can't be where the, the game loses money, but there seems to, there needs to be something put in behind all these things. So, you know, the magic at Newcastle for the last few years, great. Well, let's have some kind of legacy built into that. So, whether that's kids going and tickets and coaching before it, bring them to the gate. We've got to start to build this momentum and it feeds into this other, the bigger thing that it, we're just dropping things in into a, a you know, because people think, or we think, or everyone else, they know what rugby league is. Well, they might do, they might, they might not all know the rules, they might, they've heard of it, they might have seen it, but 
there's not that many people. You go in the next town or a football town, they never do it. And that's just here in the north of England, never mind anywhere else. We need to have that all joined in where it can't be just dropped in and going, look at this, it's great. And it is. And there will be people, odd people will go, we've just got to build in, we've got to get a bit more professional how we do it. You know, the, the way, and it might be, you have to give thousands of tickets away to kids at first. And that's how you do it. And we've been doing it for years for the international game. But now it's in this, that's where we've got to be a bit more serious about it, a bit more planned where hopefully there's a bit of money to have people who are paid to get people into this and get them into Having a go, coming to watch, and that's that version I play. It's nothing like it, but it's get them into it. I'm a good belief player. Those, those kids at Brazil, uh, the Brazil game seem to enjoy it. <coughs> oh, I'm making so much noise. Yeah, just because I think I think with that, I think we, we can we can look at it a slightly slightly different way as well to have to get people interested. Is, is make stars out of those players. We don't sell the players. We don't market the players. You, you go back to I suppose even. Uh, as far back as, as the 90s is the last time that you, you, that you had recognisable players for, for people that aren't rugby league people. You know, so you're Martin Fires and you're Randles and people like that. They're, they're probably the last household names, really, that, that people can <coughs> name that aren't rugby league followers. You know, so we need to market, market the players now. We need to get them out there in, in the public domain and get them on TV shows and get them doing different, different stuff and get them out there so people know who they are. Dom Young's a prime example now. You know, it, it could be an absolute superstar. It could be an absolute superstar. And while he's doing what he's doing now, and doing what he's doing over in, in, in the NRL, get him out there, flood him on TV. I mean, I'm not a massive a, a massive fan of, of reality TV, but Jacques O'Neill that went into whatever he went into last last year, you know, there's a lot of people that know him purely and simply because he went onto whatever program he went on. I'm trying not to say love on them because then I know what it was. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of that comes down to access, though, and mm. while the access in rugby league is generally better than most other sports, it's not as good as a good but I mean you look at the Samoan example the coach banned his players from, from talking to me yeah. about the game I mean that was one of the games of this year if not for you know like England for example I think they only do, they only do two media ops a week between games is that enough? I don't think it is but you know you, if you only just get your, your same media that already covers the game and you're not branching out to national media you rarely do then you're not spreading that message. I, I can understand it when a lot of tournaments going on because yeah. obviously you don't want them going off doing TV programs while there's a tournament yeah. going on. Yeah. But outside outside of the tournaments, you know, there's all there's three to six five days a year where you can get mm. get out there and market the players and, and the, the players can go out there and market the sport. And I think we do need to take a little bit of step outside the box and I've, I've I've wrote about it in the column where the magic I'm not a massive, massive fan of Magic Weekend. I think we've we've saturated the market of Magic Weekend now. People have been. And they've done it, and some will go year in year out. Some aren't that bothered anymore because they've been. So we need to do something different, and, and I think the way to attract people's attention now, nobody wants to sit and watch an 80-minute game. And I think that's why magic doesn't work because nobody wants to sit and watch four, four 80-minute games or three 80-minute games in one day. Our society is now it's all right now it's I call it a microwave society. People want to put it in the microwave for two yeah. minutes and it's done. So we need to kick, we need to have something that's fast, that's attractive, that's it catches people's attention, and I've and, and it. And I've joked about it. I came up with the idea of sat on toilet. You know, but I'm sure I'm sure people can think about it a little, a little bit more deeply than what I did. But I just said, like, League One club, Championship club, Super League club. You know, a six-a-side competition you can bring in different rules. So it's, a, it's not the version of rugby league that we all know. It can be a different version of rugby league. It might be less tackles. It might be uh, if, if a player knocks on, you've got to lose a player, so you, you improve the score. It might be, but 
Each team that made up of nine players, three from a League One club, three from a Championship club, three from a Super League club, there's got to be two players from each club on the field at one time, so you're not having all the Super League players and Championship players on. So each club is represented. You do some, is it something you do like the, 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 the hundred now where you make up different teams? And we can market it to a different audience, it's a different TV deal, a different TV audience, different sponsors potentially. And the games are short, they're sharp, and whatever you want to do with it. And that's just a, a, an idea off the top of my head. But we need to do something different to what we're doing now and what we've done for the last 25, 30 years. Because what we've done only worked to a certain extent, to a certain market. And we've got to look further afield now and try to attract, attract people to look at it in a different way. I think just on that access issue, though, that, that happens all year round. Mm. I mean, I, some of the best young English players in Super League are just unavailable for interview, basically, first two years in first grade. And even, you know, I've, I've chatted to the father of one of them, and they're quite happy for them to do an interview. It's not a case of the media doing it open, but the clubs want to keep them quite, because they know if they do really well and they're a star, the NRL will come and get them, or they'll go to Rugby Union, and they'll have more money that they can afford to keep them. So I think that's part of the IMG remit, is to change that that kind of the way that, that the media managers operate and the way that clubs promote themselves. But just on what you said there, I think nines is the opportunity there. I think IMG are, are looking at that. I was at the, the I'm trying to remember, it was 2019 World Cup. We had a World Cup nines quickly and gone. But it was, it was actually a, a great event. You know, it was, it was men and women. There was a lot of countries. And I think you can have, you can have a League One club against a Super League club in, in nines or championship because it's not going to be a blowout, obviously, if we don't have six again. It's not going to be a ridiculous blowout because it's a small format and you can introduce special rooms. You can have former players, you know, you could get what, what they did in the NRL nines, you know, had Brad Fittler come and play for the Roosters. You could get Kevin Simpel could easily play, you know, and he's the fittest man alive. You could get him coming, you know, I think there's different ways and that would bring in a different audience, I think. Then the other thing about making heroes of people, which, you, which you're absolutely right, is something that we need to do, is that we don't now have to rely on just Dom Young. When people are talking about Amy Hardcastle, they're talking mm. about Jack Brown, uh, you know, they're talking about Nathan Collins. We've got a whole raft of, uh, what, you know, the, the, the gift of this three World Cups together, four if you include the PDRL, and some brilliant stories in PDRL. Um, you've got so many more people that are marketable, it's having the strategy now to get them out there, talking about their sport, their backstory. Um, they're, they're amazing. And, and we have now got that resource. In the, in the past, we might not have done, but it's hard to keep a lid on something now if it's, if it's spreading. We just need to let it go. And it's how, how, how do we get those stories in, in the papers? And how do we get these new superstars? Because as, as Craig rightly says, TV companies go looking for a rugby league person to interview, they're probably going to get Martin a fire again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do need to make more of Dom Young, otherwise, he'll go to rugby union and we've lost him for good. It's difficult to get into newspapers now, but they're less and less inclined to promote rugby league. It needs some strong leadership from the RFL, which we haven't got, or IMG could take the lead. But it, it's a really, um, it's, it's banging your head against a big wall to, at, at times. There, there's a lot of bias goes on in, in national newspapers against Ruby League. The Daily Mail just hate Ruby League. I know they make exceptions from time to time. But, um, it, it's tough. It's, it's breaking down barriers. Those barriers are getting a little bit higher at the moment. Ruby League and foreigners. 
Yeah. Well, we, we're these a numbers game as well, and most things in it. So if you've got the numbers and you've got more people, if you look at rugby league and you look at I don't know how many participation and professional, it's tiny. So if it gets bigger, then people have to, because that's what they want. They want the numbers, they want access to people, they want, and that's the thing of what this is all about. It's trying to make it bigger and make make people more uh, identify with the game and go, oh yeah, that's that's that what I do, or that's what I've seen, I love that and this. It's, it's about trying to make it take off. Because like you said, it's too many people kept the game small to suit them or suit their club and that's the trouble the clubs have got there's no war chest for the IFL I hope IMG have the war <laughs> chest to go right this is the money so right there you go back because you're doing this now and that's great right you're not having that because you, you're not just having your hand out that's it because they're, they're, they're voting that's the trouble with probably democracy in, in this instant I've got a vote I'm going to stick my hand up that means what? You're going to take the money away from me, and I'm not really giving much back. But oh, I'm not going for that. Well, at the moment, no one can say. Probably Maurice Lindsay, the last person who had that say. This is what's happening. But now it has to all be voted in. Nothing gets done. Well, we've got a unique platform because we can talk about whatever we want in the world of rugby league, and whether that's women wheelchair or men. I mean, you've got a different thing, John, because and Ian as well. You can't just. Decide right, I'm going to write about women's rugby league because you've got to write about what people want to hear about. Well, Ian's retiring, so he can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm battling against um, at PA. We, we there's it's all football dominated. It's not 90% football, and and all the rest you've got to sort of scrap your way. But interestingly, uh, last week they suddenly took an interest in, in wheelchair rugby league, so we we did. Separate sidebars and features and Q and A's on on what what is the game and, and how do people get involved? So that you know that that was a bit of a breakthrough, something different rather than running the middle of the league. I think I think the just to build on that, the sports desks desks do notice things that are trending or that are people are talking about. Like I know the the um, the story of Greece and how they got to the World Cup. That was a case with the. With the eye that I contributed, they came to me and said, "We want a story on Greece." Usually, it's me pitching, you know, of course, through this person or that player. They came to me and they wanted a story, and it was a full, uh, full page, you know, on a Saturday edition. I think over a thousand words, which is, you know, almost unheard of. But they do take notice, and I think internationals, whether it be wheelchair, women's, um, men's, they definitely have more cut through than, you know, a Salford story or a Carsford story. <laughs> that, that's just the way it is. Um, I think that's where, that's where we need to go as well. Let's let's find the easy wins. You know, to, people want yeah. to hear a story about Greece and why why has rugby league been banned in Greece for so long? You know, people want the, the, the easy wins. Now I touched on it early on is that you know us getting new supporters at Batley or increasing the participation in men's rugby at Batley is going to be minimal. But can we increase the participation in women's rugby league? Definitely. And you could probably promote them numbers. You could probably increase it by a thousand percent just with a little bit of work. You can't increase men's rugby by a thousand percent. Same with wheelchair rugby, you could probably increase that tenfold. You can't do that with men's, with men's game. So I think as a sport, we need to look at the easy wins now to raise the profile of the, the sporting umbrella, not just rugby as a men's game, but rugby, rugby league as, as a collective of, of everything that falls under that, the men's, women's wheelchair, PDRL. And we need to look at, take the men's out of it now and look at the other three. And how can we grow them games to a different audience that then might contribute to a well, yeah, well, Jewelry have got a wheelchair team now, so I'll go and watch Jewelry on the, on Sunday. 
or Julesby have got a PDRL team now, so we're going to get involved on Sunday. So that you can grow your market a little bit, and, and, and hopefully if we do that, then we're attracting a different type of investors, different type of sponsors that, we, that we've not got now. And it might rate, then raise a profile of the sport as an umbrella as a whole in, in the media, rather than just being, because it's not just Nobody wants to read about Salford, nobody wants to read about Batley, nobody wants to read about Wakefield. We can use the example of like Michael Checker. I mean, there was a lot of stories about Michael Checker. Not only is he a great speaker, he's very articulate, but he's known because he's a rugby union coach. Mm -hmm. But that gets, because it's a cross-sport story, the Nationals are more likely to buy into that, and there's a lot of examples that are crossed through. I think the other thing that uh, the Sheffield are a very similar club in terms of size to, to what you are, and they're going through again a, a process of almost reinventing themselves with their new ground. They have taken it upon themselves through their foundation, which is proactive, to get a wheelchair team. The last I heard when I spoke to somebody down there, and I think Andrea Dobson's involved in being their full-time employee, they've now got 40 people turning up to train on a, on a night. They're not going to be a wheelchair super league team, but people are coming to them saying, I've seen it, I want to try it, have you got any chairs that I can just even get in and see what it's like? Well, from 40 people trying it, suddenly then, three, four, five years down the line, South Yorkshire has a Super League club in wheelchair. That then gets people in through the new um, stadium that they've got to watch their team on a Sunday that's wearing the same colours. So I think it, the big plus of this World Cup has been people have seen it isn't just men running around. And England performing as they have is fantastic. because There is a payoff if England make the World Cup final, if they win it. But the bigger one for the sport is wheelchair trending fourth the other night. Mm. That's massive. It's almost if we told people before it's going to be great. It's a perfect television sport, though, isn't it? It's like snooker. All of the action is encapsulated in your screen. There's nothing that you bashing can't see going on extra. You don't need any great knowledge. All you need to do is sit there and be entertained by people smashing the hell out of each I, other. I but the huge amount of skill. You don't, you don't need to have ever gotten a chair to realise that somebody who's flicking a ball out the back to someone who's come on an arcing run on the blind side whilst also manoeuvring their wheelchair as it's been thrown over is something that you just need to sit there and hold your hands up and go, I just want to see more of this. And unlike Snooky, you can't be drunk. <laughs> you probably could, it wouldn't do you any Yeah, I think it'd be, yeah, you'd it would be. It wouldn't enhance your game. No. You might have to do for some of them conditions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just think the speed <laughs> they, they get up and back. Yeah. I mean, it'd be two two tackles and I'd be, you know, sub. Yeah, it's it's crazy how, how fit they are. And they ran over the referee's foot, which was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they over yeah. each other's hands and they just yeah. go yeah. and go, yeah. Ball yeah. post fall over, that's There's lots of wild moments in there. Yeah. It's wow. Wow. But also. When you wow. hear people like Freya Levy, who's been, I think, the, one of the best pundits that we've had, when you have James Simpson, who's the ambassador of the wheelchair game, these are all people that, even if you don't know them, you want to listen to them, you want to hear their I stories, well, you, you want to know why, why is it you know, that they're prepared to throw themselves out of a chair, and, and then James will come back to you and say, well, why do you think I'm in a chair in the first place? And it's just a brilliant line. And I think it's the same too with the women's game. I mean... Anyone who's watching any of the games, we were there at Wigan. I mean, they weren't calling head-eye tackles for some reason, but the physicality <laughs> that's involved is just yeah. as big as in the men's game. Yeah. They literally beat the living snot out of each other. Young yeah. girls now are extreme oh, yeah. of the extreme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this yeah. is an extreme sport. It's crazy. Like I said, you run into them as hard as you can. Now, as society, we're looking at the fairer sex. Oh, I'm not sure you should. There's no tradition in it. These who have put their hand up now are trailblazers. 
I coached a lot of them when they were really young. And I'm having to say, no, no, steady, steady, because mm. they But they're doing it with no real tradition. They're the ones who are going, I'm doing this. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm just going to just think about that. Even my household yesterday, I was sat watching the wheel, wheelchair game that on yesterday. My wife hates rugby, she doesn't watch rugby. She sat down and watched it. The young one who had his shower and he come down, who normally watches um, something on, on Netflix yeah. before he goes to bed, he sat and watched it. So the two people there that aren't interested in rugby, I don't watch rugby, that sat down and watched the wheelchair game and they were engrossed it for half an hour. I did see someone describe it as human robot wars, which I thought was a, quite an amusing it's just, it's just ridiculous. I think that's about to of TV, of mainstream TV coverage. I mean, I was watching the, the Tonga game on, on Sunday with my daughter, and she she was transfixed by the, the war dancers and was going for Tonga and was crying when Tonga lost at the end. There's no allegiance to Tonga. You know, she's got allegiance to England and Australia, but, you know, that she wanted to go to a game. She wants, you know, she wants to go to the women's game this week. I mean, that's, that is the power of, you know, those kind of moments. That's going to be a physical game from our Papua New Guinea and England. Australia, New Zealand, the day after. Well, back to back Australia, New Zealand games. Mm -hmm. it, it's been mentioned, but the power of being on the BBC. I mean, not that I actively see count what's going on in rugby union, but I didn't realise England were playing this weekend mm -hmm. because it's on Amazon, and even though they've got access to it, it's, yeah, that's, anyway. that, that, I, I was the same. I mean, I, I would usually watch. You know, I, I follow rugby union, and I only really knew because Michael Checker. It was <laughs> yeah. talked about that much, and um, yeah, I think the I don't have Amazon, so. When, when something is behind, I mean, it'll, it'll make money for the RFU, it'll oh, make gosh. money, which, you know, they'll spend on development and everything else. But, but, yeah, you would think home internationals is, it's an, it's an interesting strategy. And I think there's been, cricket's had the same thing. There's been some blowback about that. You've got to find the right balance. And that's obviously Super League has the same thing. It is behind the paywall. So a lot of people don't. I know so many rugby league fans who don't have Sky. So they don't, they're rugby league fans, but they don't watch you know, rugby league. That's all the people that. on the internet. They, they, yeah. they all watch rugby league, but they don't like rugby league. Yeah, and that's why I think Channel Four has obviously been been really big. But we need to build on that, and we need to have more of that. And obviously, we need them to be paying us money because <laughs> you know we can't just give it away the product for free. I'm I had an uncle who is um, no longer with us, but he lived down in Bristol. He was from from Wakefield originally, so he's from rugby league Heartland, but he lived in Bristol for 20 or 30 years. We used to go down and see him every couple of years at least. And, and he, I was just talking to him once and he, he was saying, oh, I, wa I watch rugby league, it's, but why is it only ever played in sort of March to March to May? Because he'd only ever seen it, the Challenge Cup on BBC. Yeah, yeah. He didn't realise it was on it was the Super League. <laughs> it was played on Sky, because he ain't got Sky. But, but rugby only can afford to have their games locked away somewhere because they don't need that money from... From, from they get the, the money for the crowds, don't they? We really can't afford not to be on terrestrial TV. And the point about Channel 4 is a valid one as well, because at least it's on terrestrial TV. And BBC is the, is the cream. That's why this World Cup is so valuable for the league, and it's, it's an opportunity that they shouldn't be able to miss. I think that's one thing we can learn from rugby owning game is how they, how successful they are with marketing the international game. You know, they can get 80,000 people, whatever twicking the malls, you get 80,000 there regardless of who they play. Yeah. And it's the same with, with Wales and Ireland. It's an occasion. They'll fill, they'll fill the stadiums. And I think the club rugby is not that success, successful. No. And you can see with the, the amount of debt that the, 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 the rugby clubs are in. Mm. It's not that successful. But the, the, the market, the international game, a thousand times better than what we do. Mm. Um, but, they, but they have a calendar. Mm. Whereas at the moment, yeah. 
when, when is England's next game? Mm. So England win the World Cup and we don't know who they're playing until maybe a month after the yeah. tournament's finished. Yeah. So I, <clears throat> I think we do have a saleable product. I just don't think we've ever put it above the club mm. game and that, that's what I'm hoping IMG yeah. will do. That They've already enshrined the mid-season window um, in the Northern Hemisphere. You know, and a lot of that will be England-France, which in some respects is great because I think France are starting to come up a little bit. The more that they play, the better that they'll get. And again, if you can plan that weekend as a wheelchair game uh, with some genuine rivalry, change the rules before we play them, that'd be great. Um, a, a women's game, because again, their women are starting to play in, in our Super League. We're getting to know them better, the standards going up. And a men's game. You put all that on in, say, Perpignan over a weekend, you're going to get people going. You're going to get um, television companies interested. You're going to put the, the international game above the club game. And if that comes out of this World Cup, um, that would be a, a, a huge legacy. The, the problem is that you quite rightly, John Keir has said after the end of this one, what's happening with Northern Hemisphere Rugby League? Mm. I checked up his quotes after 2017 when Wales didn't win a game, went through exactly the same process. They got and he said, beaten but a lot more heavily than What's happening with Northern Hemisphere Rugby League? So five years down the line, nothing's changed. Well, Kyle Evans is now the best player in the world. So that's, he's not. He's not. He's playing for Batley next are you picking anyone up off the back of the World Cup? Like, is, is there scope for that? Obviously not. But my my recruitment's really easy. When you've got no money to spend, you can't recruit anybody. <laughs> so you don't waste any time without speaking to people. You, you're not thinking about rebranding. What's his favourite animal? <laughs> I'm not sure I've got flamingos. Yeah, flamingos. Nick Leopards are taken. Yeah, yeah. I'll take one off. I'll talk about rebranding. Because obviously they've got their new exciting badges when we're there on, on Thursday ahead of those women's final games in Group B. France Cook Islands. Oh, Cook Islands. They're number three, my favourite player. She's awesome. She just smashes people, takes the kicks, does everything. Get her, up, get her in a Wakefield, but we haven't had often very in a women's Super League. Um, there is one championship club that's certainly looking at two of the Papua New Guineans. I was going to say, I'll work out which but it's not the one I'm thinking of because they're in Super League. Is it one who are the favourites to win the championship? Not a million miles away from here. And if they can do it, I'm sure but you can pick somebody up. Hopefully, they're looking at them before the quarterfinal. Afterwards. <laughs> I think I think you'll find a lot of a lot of the players <laughs> that are in, in the World Cup will will stay. I there'll be quite a few of the Lebanon players from rumours around around rugby league which aren't tend, tend to be too far away. Uh, Whitehaven always recruit PNG players, so I'd imagine they'll, they'll have a couple on their radar as well. Um, and I would imagine they'll be maybe London will be after a few as well. But it would be great, wouldn't it, if as part of this World Cup, even a, a scholarship was offered to a young Greek player. Um, you know, it didn't count on any salary cap. You could bring them into your reserve system um, if they're of an age where they couldn't play academy anymore. That you're actually encouraged to do that. Um, so again, you know, IMG, whoever it is, needs to look at. They're very good at the moment telling French teams that they've got to play a certain number of French players next year. Well, I think we should be telling all Super League clubs, or, and if, if Championship clubs want to come in as well, that would be fantastic. You've also got to have some kind of a development pathway for emerging nations. 
So, you know, there might be a young Serbian that, you know, you should be given a dispensation to take into your club, even if it's only for a, an eight-week window, just to see what they're like. Give them some tips that they can go back to Red Star or wherever it might be to make them a better club. Um, but it shouldn't cost you anything to do that. Less 40-year-old is coming over. I don't know why I looked at John then, is it? I was 32 when I came over. The thing about the Australians, especially at Super League now, is there's average players on 200 grand a year, whereas they're not great players, but they're in a system where there could be someone a million dollars a year, whereas we just can't afford them. No, really, I think. But gone are the days when we got the stars and the still people would rock up and go box office, I'm going to go watch him. The closest we get to is probably his World Cup challenge, I think. Going back to Jonathan first and heading the way he's ending there, mm -hmm. thinking star, outstanding. Mm -hmm. They're the things that I remember as being as a kid, you know, what C. Malmeninger or whatever it was. We can't afford those sort of players, so don't pay those sort of players that sort of money if they're not <laughs> worth it. I think, I think that um, just highlights, um, and I know it's not to do with you, but Kevin Proctor, mm -hmm. the Wakefield, you know, player who was sacked for vaping at half time, well past his best. Obviously, he had a great career, played for New Zealand, played for the Storm, but he's on the downward spiral. But I think that just goes to show where some of the Super League clubs are, totally. are fishing. Went well when we signed Kevin Locke, so we've got a good record with Kevin. I mean, I'd, I'd rather see, you know, a Jai Field or a Ben French, you know, a young player who's, you know, maybe had 20 NRL games. Obviously, it's quite hard because they've got to play a certain amount of games to get a, a visa, but they've added a lot to the competition. Oh, yeah. As opposed to a you know a 33 year old who isn't really that bothered. I think there's plenty there's plenty of players in the championship as well that, that quite easily step up that cost them a fraction of the price. Right? So, you know, just I know, sure, it, I know it, it's, it's past his sell by debt in terms of a super league player, but someone like Dan Manning who was who was absolutely ripped the championship up for the last 10 12 years. Who for me it, it would have been an absolute steal for anybody, even a 28 29 year old, to have two three four years in super league and cost them next to nothing. Hundred percent every single week, and his, his performance does not change week in week out. Everyone's good to go out every single week, and there's plenty of players like that in, champion, in the championship. But I think it's too much of an easy win now. And I suppose as as owners and, and, and coaches, people want to get supporters through the gate. So is that's the, a big part of it. Is, yeah. is Dave Manning going to attract people yeah. to come? To, I, 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 I get sure, fans yeah. asking me, "Who are we signing?" You know, which it's I'm like it's sure not always about the room. I think we think of it is the, the, the signing to bring them through the gate. Dave Manning, Dave Manning should never have left Leeds. Mm. They thought they sent him to a month loan to Featherstone, they realised they sent him for a year. Mm. He'd have played in that Challenge Cup final. He was well in front of Chris, Chris Clarkson, people like that. And that's, that can happen. Mm. But my, my concern is you'll bring a proctor in, and we're talking about him now, but it could be anybody else. Because it appeases the yes. social media yes. for a yeah. little while and gets them through the season. The end of it is important that we, we perhaps move away from traditional promotion relegation because then somebody like Luke Hooley that leads might be taking a, um, a chance to have a look at without that pressure necessarily. And, it, and it's not just Leeds, any club without Salford, you know, could go into the championship, get a couple of players in the knowledge that if they've got a good Category B licence and that they're going to be in Super League for the following year. They can try players out because that, that's the other thing that I think is quite exciting about the AMG proposals that, as Ian quite rightly points out, we don't have 
sufficient detail on yet. But one of the things it might do is give clubs the chance to grow and young talent the chance to emerge. And if that's a, the, the cost of that is we don't have traditional promotion and relegation anymore, I think that's a price worth paying. Well, that's a big... We, we talked about Dom Young before, and I remember, I think it was the Greece game where he, he scored four. Um, it might have been the game before. Um, and I sort of tweeted he couldn't get a game at Huddersfield. I got quite a bit of stick for that, but he, I think he played, what, two, two Super League games... And then he went to the. We signed for the Knights mid-season. He went to Newcastle, I think round four, and he played nearly every game. Now you can't, you guys are coaches. You can't tell me in a three-month pre-season that he went from not good enough to play for Huddersfield, who are on the bottom rung of Super League, to being good enough to play in the NRL week in week out. And you look how good he is now, or two years later. So who's identifying and? Is it a case of, well, we have to win because we're going to get relegated? So, I mean, you've got Jermaine McGilvery who's proven and we've got another winger who's a bit more older, but that, you know, he's a once-in-a-generation talent. You would say he's an athlete, you know, whether he's the most skillful rugby player, but he's a machine. Yeah. There's been things along the line, and I don't have to mention names, but there's been players who've raided the academy budget to sign a steady player and... They've stopped half the budget of the academy. I don't witness they had an academy and they're competing with Salford and whoever were at the bottom. Well, they didn't have an academy and the, the underground they were spending might have got them a couple of players and may have got one that got them out of it because that's where they were. But it just contradicts everything in what you're doing. You're trying to bring players through and you're trying to do the right thing, but yet you can drop out, it can all end. It just that, you mentioned witness, and I talked to Phil about this before the grand final. Jared O'Connor, you know, when administration Gary Etherton comes in and says, oh, "I have those two players," no, and right. Sam Sam Walters, and they're playing yeah, in the grand yeah, final no, not long ago. Right. But witness are producing players, but has that helped them? No, it hasn't because no, they're because in the championship, and they're not going to be in Super League anytime soon unless you know Jeff Bezos fund, takes yeah, them over. They couldn't fund, they couldn't fund it. Yeah. There's other clubs that are close to it can't fund it, and that's yeah. where they do. They just Stuck. I think going back to the US about promotion and relegation, I think I think the sport is actually leading itself. It's been leading itself that way for a number of years now. So when we, we've effectively finished second last year in the championship, we're going to get less than one hundred thirty thousand pound in distribution money. So league clubs getting one point five, one point six million. So how can a club, how can any club, cope with that disparity of money there without a, a Derek Beaumont coming in? And that's and that's the other thing for me is that with. And what Derek's done for Leeds is absolutely fantastic. How many, how many Super League clubs would be able to cope financially if their owner, their benefactor pulled out? Are their business models successful enough to manage their, their owner pulling that, that money out? But then you need to be given the incentive to get reward for being the second best club that isn't necessarily financial. It, it is having the 1895 Cup at Wembley. Mm. What, what a day it would be for the town of Batley if you could take your team to Wembley. Um, it needs a championship final. A championship final that might have, say, a hundred thousand pound cash prize attached to it. That the players get half of the pot. Um, all of that we, we've sort of sacrificed on this altar of it's promotion or nothing. Why can't you have things to play for that mean everything to you, and then you then start again to defend the prizes that you won? Well, I, I, I think I think you'd make the sport as a whole more competitive if if that disparity in in, in central funding were reduced. So like we have Super League and League One that get a set amount of money and then in, in Championship you're rewarded for basically where you finish in the league. So for me, it would be, I'd reduce it to, it's, it's 20 million hour distribution money. So Super League get 90, 93% of the distribution money, Championship and League One clubs get 
So the disparity in money that Super League clubs get compared to Championship and League Mo clubs is ridiculous. So why can't we reduce it? So all Super League clubs get £800,000 or whatever it might be. And all Championship clubs get £450,000. And then all League One clubs get that amount of money. So there's a lot of money spread, spread out. Super League clubs aren't reliant on the £1.6 million they're getting. So then, you, then, your business, then your business model has to be a lot better to generate more income yourself. I think yeah. there's two. Sorry, just there's two things. The distribution, which is crazy, that it's dependent on where you finish, because that's just going to encourage um, an unfair advantage, and also the quotas. Yeah. So, so Lee, you've yeah. just had a 14. team. What What is the yeah. point of that? Mm. Like, how is that good for the yeah. English game if you're Blake Ferguson as the last payday? Yeah. And also, it's not fair, you know, for the likes of your team and other teams. And then they'll have to get rid of those players to get in the Super League anyway because there's a quote. When system. did it come in? When did it? I think it's last it, year or two. Was it an announcement? Or it just seems to be just. Yeah, and it wasn't an announced, like, I don't think. Yeah. yeah. It might do an effect to half the teams anyway. If it does, if you're playing. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you're Featherstone or Lee, That's yeah. Right. I just yeah. can't. I just couldn't believe it when it happened. I yeah. just thought, what are we doing? You know, as you go down, there should be less and less. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Exactly. They've got to kick us out soon. So, Ian, you're retiring. Rob Hicks said he was going to retire from full-time matchmaking. He's, he's never off the telly these days. Are you are you actually retiring? And what are you going to miss most about covering rugby league? I'm going. I'm finishing as a PA rugby league correspondent, so technically I'm retiring. But I've, I've been involved with the game for forty odd years, and it'd be hard to give it up completely. So I'm I'm hoping to keep my hand in by doing a few matches, probably for PA, just to keep meeting people and. Doing what I've been doing a little bit on a, on, a, on a smaller scale, so you probably still see me a little bit when I was watching. What do you get for being on the Roll of Honour? Because we, 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 we were asking about this, we're wondering, do you get any kind of special know. badge? I'll, I'll tell you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it's some, there is something. I, I, have, no, I, have, I have no idea. Don't you get a special I'm, dinner with Ralph Rimmer? Um, <laughs> we're, we're getting a lunch tomorrow. Oh, I have no idea what I'll receive, but it will be well received. You'll be able to drive your sheep through the heavy wood <laughs> your, yeah. during your retirement at your heart. Yeah. I think you're just hanging out for another trip to Toulouse next year, aren't you? Oh, I'll, I'll be going anywhere. I'll, I'll go with Batley play there. I think Craig's found a new media manager tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I would have offered to be a media manager if he'd have got promotion. Any questions, audience? Speak now for hold your piece. Um, no, my <clears throat> my disappointment with the world with the World Cup. I mean, I mean the games have been fantastic, and the wheelchair literally said has been phenomenal. And my wife watches some rugby, but it's so keen. We're going on Thursday to to um, Sheffield, and we've just bought the tickets with the final that. But and it's fantastic that BBC have shown all these games. But we need to have a game that people want to go there, regardless of whether the team will be leaping. And you see the TV screen, like at Huddersfield or Australia, there weren't many people there. And people who are not rugby league people will say, well, what is this game all about? You know, they're blowing it up, it's the World Cup, it's the best that we've had. And yet nobody's going to watch it. And it, it seems to diminish, in my eyes, the effect of the World Cup itself. The legacy is, as, as you've said, 
I think there's two, two points there that are really interesting. One is there was a decent crowd at Huddersfield, but they were all in the wrong place. I think because they'd sold the tickets for the upper tier yeah. of the stand behind the post, there were a lot of people there. Where if they'd have moved them all down where they were in view of the cameras, you'd have said, oh, there's a, there's a great atmosphere here, a lot of people in. I think the other thing is that, that I don't know if anybody else has found when we've been going around, this is a very different audience for the World Cup. Even yesterday in Sheffield, there were areas of kids that were clearly had done some work on Scotland or Wales, and they were carrying all the flags and they were singing all the chants. And uh, the, when the Brazilians were there, you know, a samba band while they're playing. It, there were lots of young people at Newcastle for the opening game. We are attracting a new and different audience. It's what do we give them next to make them come back? Um, I think once you go to your live game next uh, tomorrow, uh, Thursday, yeah. we don't know what day it is. Um, You'll want to know where the next game is. You'll you'll want no, to go and no, see a wheelchair no, super fine. league game. But you'll want to when the super league season starts. You'll want to go and see a game if it's near you. I think um, there was one guy who um, dived over. Yeah. You can't do that. He, di he dived over with his. Okay, you do that. You can't. You have to take the ball over into the goal area. You can't dive into it. It's not like American football. They gave a try. Even though he keeps running into yeah. him. You can't dive can't from, the, from the pitch into the in-goal area in wheelchair. You, you have to take the ball. That's why it worked. At the, the camera work at Sheffield was perfect because they, they were facing the... What's the family stand called? Is it John Street stand? John Street stand. So the stand you were on in the media was empty, wasn't it, pretty much? We couldn't see that on telly. I mean, I was in the cop anyway. So I think generally just don't hold games at Huddersfield. <laughs> I mean, they, they struggle. There's not a big audience for rugby league in Huddersfield. It's a football town. Yeah. It, it is a football town. They don't... They average 5,000 in the Super League. I think I mean, it was eight, eight and a half. I mean, that's not a great crowd, but it's obviously more than you get for a Super League game. We'd have yeah. held games at Wakefield, but you know, we knocked the stand out. So what can you do? What can you do? It's got a great building site on the telly next year. You must have a calendar. That is important. You just, just go from one World Cup to the next without any plan at all. Well, we need to know when the next World Cup is after France. Yeah. Well, well, I, think I, I think I wrote a story on that. Announce it. 2009. Sorry? 2009? Yeah, I think New Zealand have expressed interest to host it, but they are aiming for a Pacific tournament, so games across the Pacific, not just in New Zealand. But I think there, there's a committee that's working on that, hoping at the end of the year to make a decision. But yeah, that would be great. So we know in 2029, you can, if you want to save for it. Well, yeah, well, I think the fact that France is only in 2025, and Obviously, from people from here, it's not hard to get to, and that would be. I mean, when's the last? Oh no, when was the last World Cup in France? Seventy-two. There you go. In, in its entirety. Yeah. I mean, they've been group games. And they they started the World Cup in '54, so I think that'll be a fantastic tour. It may be easier to get to France, but I'd rather go to Papua New Guinea and the Cook Islands. I still won't go. <laughs> you don't um, like to fly. No, no, I just like to stay at home. If you can't have the World Cup in Wakefield, it'd be perfect, but we haven't got any stadiums. <laughs> Building sites. We've got a castle instead. Uh, fill the magazines out this week. In tomorrow. Be in the shops on Friday. Friday. Craig, good luck with Batley. Thank you. Ian, good luck with not retiring. Thank you. John, good luck with Patreon. Thank you. What am I wishing you good luck with? Uh, Everything. Everything. <laughs> 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 <Life>. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Wakefield. 
Um, Me neither. Right. <laughs> and that's a perfect way to end. Uh, thank you very much for coming. <laughs> I think the internet feed's gone down, so it's okay. We can say what we want. Thank you very much for coming. It's always appreciated. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.